Real Fun DC. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hi everybody, it's Nikki Nellis and welcome to another edition of Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Um, so if you've been listening, you know who I am, but if you don't, how about a little introduction? So I have been incredibly fortunate to be doing my passion is my profession, which is covering the DC food and wine scene. And I've been doing it for almost 18 years now. You may have heard me and my husband on Foodie and the Beast. We have a radio show that's been on for over 12 years now on 1500 AM. You also may have heard me on WTOP radio where I do regular roundups and uh, trend reports on everything going on again in the DC food and wine scene. Uh, you've definitely seen me on social at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S. Again, being the megaphone for what you're eating, drinking and enjoying even during a pandemic. And lastly, the list are you on it.com. The online e-zine I launched uh, about 17 years ago that really covers everything going on in the DC food, wine and hospitality scene. So a couple things I definitely wanna to point to you because while it feels like at the moment there are no holidays coming up, there is so much happening in DC, even in a pandemic. So first of all, there are pop-ups and ghost kitchens happening all over the city. And if you haven't gone in on some of that deliciousness, I advise you to take a look at that column. It's in the buzz column and you'll see a list. I think of over 20 things happening right now in the city. And I know more are coming in March. Also brunch. Let's not forget about it. It is so important. And now that the weather is getting pretty, you totally want to dig in on that. And so many area restaurants are doing incredible brunches for both at home and on their patio or in their very limited capacity. I was actually at Stable last week. They have built these fabulous chalets on H Street Northeast and um, it was really delicious. So do check that out. Uh, of course, there is outdoor dining going on. It will now be year round in the DC area. Maybe a little itty bitty silver lining to this crazy pandemic, but you should see the yurts and these cabanas and chalets, all these uh, different ways to dine safely outside. You should totally check out. Again, we have a list of all of them. And as I say on every show, please, please, please support your local retail and restaurants. So many ways to do it. Uh, just this week, I called uh, Money Muscle, who you know was on the show last week, and they came over with their food truck and they fed my entire neighborhood. And it took nothing to do. Also still doing those gift card grab bags, buy gift cards from your local retailers or restaurants, call your neighbors together and do a socially distanced grab bag and everybody can find out about a new producer. It's a great way to sort of see other people, but also support local retail. Okay, and on that note of supporting local retail, we all, well, we, in the food industry, all talk about local, right? Buying local, shopping local, how important it is. But in these pandemic days, it, it sounds good, but it's not as easy to do because it's so simple to just click a button and order online from like a really big organization that I'm not gonna name, but sort of sounds like Amazon. So, uh, but my advice to you is to think outside the box. and. 
there are so many little retailers and craft artisans out there who are doing so much to stay alive in this environment, and especially without as many places to amplify their products. But the local market, which there are so few of in the DC metro area, is one of those places that really does something for these kinds of purveyors. And Bart Yamblonski is a friend. Uh, he's been on before with Dawson's Market. Bart, thanks so much uh, for joining me today. Bart has uh, brought in a group of purveyors who are featured at uh, Dawson's Market. And we're gonna be talking to all of them today. So I just wanna quickly say uh, who everybody is. We have Christelle uh, Simkowitz, who is doing this fabulous Creole kitchen uh, spice blend. And I have um, Roya Shadravan and Christy Lamb, who are doing Mulan dumplings. They're making them in Union Kitchen. And then lastly, I have Bernie and Helena Gallant, and they are doing strudels from Little Austria. So we're going to talk to each of them about their products, what they're doing, and uh, how they sort of got in with Bart. So Bart, step up to the mic. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's always fun. I love that. And different, and different this time. <laughs> I know. I love that we get to. I think the last time we did this was like, like it was like a year ago, right? Yeah, it's right. I think it was right before everything kind of came to a crashing halt. For everything went dark. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about. Well, let's talk about that. So first, let's give everybody who doesn't know Dawson's Market sort of the elevator speech of who you are and what you do. Sure. So, um, so we're we are an independent store in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, we're in downtown Rockville in the Rockville Town Square. Um, so we're metro accessible. We've got plenty of free parking. And so we're, there's really three things that differentiate us from the community or from the competition in the area. Um, number one is um, our products. So we are very focused on local products. We support over 75 local vendors. The three of them are on the call tonight. And um, we also have a really long list of standards that we follow. We're uh, a natural store, so um, no bleached flowers, no bromated flowers, no artificial colors, sweeteners. Uh, we have a long list of things um, that we look at when we bring products in. We're also very community focused. Um, so we have a commitment that 10% of our staff are in the difficult to hire category. So people with emotional, physical disabilities, maybe work release programs. And then we also do lots of things in the community. So uh, at the height of COVID, we donated 500 meals to those in need in Rockville. Uh, and not COVID times, we have event space. Um, we encourage people to come and do classes and lectures and things like that. Um, and uh, and we're you know we're very focused on customer service, being an independent store. Um, you know we really value our customers, and we have lots of customers that come in every day and sometimes twice a day. So we're you know your community neighborhood store. Well, but I think what's really important to explain to people is that there's not a lot of independently owned grocery stores not just right. locally, but nationally right like I, yeah correct there's one other in the dc market um but it's not it's it's you know it's on the decline it's a hard thing to do right it, i mean grocery business is a challenging business um you know you typically work on very small margins i mean grocery stores that are successful it's all about the volume of business um it's you know it's a it's a very hard business to get into um just as our food economy you know, we know that people think food should be cheap in this country, um, and it's not if you want quality food. And so um, it's, you know, it's often 
price driven, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, one of the ways that independents like us stay together or stay in business is, you know, by finding unique products that these larger stores don't have um, and then providing a level of service that they don't have. So, you know, for us, um, the uniqueness of local products is really important. Um, the fact that customers can come in and see new things, um, try new things when there's not COVID issues related to it, um, you know, and have a totally different experience and actually fun shopping um, as opposed to what a lot of people are doing now, which is, you know, clicking a button at home. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, that interaction is important. And I think we all realize now how much we miss that interaction um, because so many of us are, you know, luckily I'm, I'm here, I'm in the store, <laughs> but a lot of people are at home, you know, um, and are missing that interaction. Well, but I think you also bring up a good point. I mean, I felt this way, you know, when online grocery store shopping sort of became, you know, like of the moment, to me, it was something I could, I love grocery shopping. I love going to the grocery store. You know, I love uh, looking at new products and finding out what else is new. I, I am not uh, label specific. I like to find new things and try new things. Um, and given, you know, the uh, rise in incubators, uh, like Union Kitchen and Mess Hall just locally, but nationally, I mean, you're seeing all these small makers being able to get their products to the shelves, which wasn't always the case before. Um, right. So how do you go about curating? How do you go about, A, how do you find them? And, um, you know, what are you looking for when you're looking to bring, um, you know, these products to the shelves? Sure. So, um, you know, so we, as I said, it's a really a big part of what we do. Um, so, you know, for us, we, we have launched so many companies um, here at Dawson's um, and, you know, really been the first location for a lot of places as well. And so for us, you know, um, because of our reputation in the community, um, you know, now it's a little bit easier. A lot of people come to us. So to answer your first question, how do we find people? Um, at this point, a lot of it is them coming to us. Um, but when we first started out, you know, we certainly went and just kind of went around and see what was going on, went to farmer's markets, you know, shopped in, like you said, there's a few competitors um, that are like this. Um, and, you know, kind of just word of mouth and talking to people like yourself, um, they're, you know, in the know of what's going on in the food scene. Um, but for more recently, you know, in the last year or two, you know, we've been fortunate to have people come to us. So when people come to us, um, you know, the first thing is, does it taste good? You know, is it, is it a good tasting product? Um, that's super important, obviously. Um, and then after that is what are the ingredients and what's the story behind it? So for us, um, you know, ingredients are very important. As I mentioned, we're an all natural store. So um, we really don't bring in products that have, you know, artificial chemicals in them, artificial sweeteners. And there's a lot of really nice products out there that are local uh, that just don't meet our standard. Um, and, you know, we try to support them in other ways, but um, not off the shelf in the store. Um, so once I, the product... Can I ask a question though? Sure. About um, I mean, I love your commitment, but I'm sure a lot of people who don't understand uh, your commitment to not having certain chemicals in the product, how does that affect shelf stability? Isn't that a, is that a problem? You mean, is that why, you, why do we not want those products? Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, we are an So, you know, the ingredients are important to us because, you know, we want customers to be able to shop um, in confidence and not really have to read the labels. 
So, you know, we want, there's a lot of kids that come in our store. We want the parents to be able to let the kids run down the cereal aisle and pick something out without being concerned about there being chemicals in there. Um, so, and, and this is really a trend. I mean, you see natural products really everywhere now. Um, I mean, I think I've said this before on the show, Walmart, I think is the largest seller of organic produce in the country or something crazy like that. So, um, you know, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, so it's definitely a trend that we, we were ahead of the trend and now we're, you know, continuing to ride the trend. So it is important, um, but to say, you know, there are customers, excuse me, vendors that will come in, local vendors, and we talk about it, you know, a lot of times they'll try to remove those ingredients, um, which I think ultimately makes their product better and gives them a more unique product uh, and a better selling product. So um, we've certainly seen that where they've come in, there maybe is one ingredient that's, you know, a problem for us and we can help them try to figure out how to fix that. And let me ask you, so, um... So um, you have these people that you brought today. Let's talk about why. Why did you pick these individuals today? Because it's a, it's quite a, it's a really different offering. Right. So, so we, and, and I work with Tark. Tark is my grocery manager and assistant and support staff on everything in the store. So he does a lot of the vetting for me um, on products and we all try products together. So everybody's product, you know, all the three of you guys, we've all tried your product when it first came in to see if it was something that was good for us. So, as I said, you know, taste is most important. Um, and then really, you know, is it gonna sell? And so, you know, we look at comparing it to other products on the shelf. Um, so for example, we have no other strudel. Um, so that was a simple thing. Um, you know, uh, the dumplings are excellent and the, the com competing dumpling is, you know, a national brand that's, that's very different. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, the spice sauces, again, they're different. So, you know, if you guys, one of these people came in with a salsa, that's a little bit more challenging, you know, or, or a tortilla chip, you know, um, those are a little bit more difficult. So we would be looking to see, you know, what's really unique about the salsa, you know, are they using tomatoes that are grown in Montgomery County, for example, okay. um, you know, or something like that. So, the product has to stand out um, and the more unique it is coming in, you know, the better opportunity it has to sell in the store. Um, and I always encourage people to, you know, when they're looking at developing a product, you know, to try to pick a product that is, has something that's unique about it so it can stand out because, I mean, we have lots of local granola, but we have lots of granola, you know, and so, you know, to get a granola in the store is, you know, it's got to be really, really stellar to find a spot on the shelf because there's already five other local ones that we have, just as an example. Well, I think that's excellent advice. And uh, so, you know, at, uh, after we talk with everybody at the end of the show, I sort of want to talk about how you introduce these products to the consumer so that they see them and that they get to taste them and that they do buy them and try them. So that's sort of how we'll wind up. But let's take a quick yeah. break. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. We're talking about really shopping local and you all should be doing it. And I'm judging. We'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey, it's Nikki Nellis. You're back on Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Did you know that you can just say to Alexa, hey, Alexa, turn on Real Fun DC. And not only will the channel pop on, but you can ask for Industry Night and hear the latest episode. So I am back with Bart Yablonski of Dawson's Market in Rockville. And it is an independent market, one of the few grocery stores 
of this kind in the DC metro area, but also nationally as well. And BART has brought a whole group of uh, purveyors who are local, who are doing really interesting products. So I'm gonna start with uh, Roya Shad, oh, Roya, say your name for me so I don't mispronounce it. Roya Shadravan, yes? yes? That was perfect, Shadravan. Excellent, and Christy Lamb. Uh, they are partners in Mulan Dumpling. So tell us about how you guys came up with your dumpling product. Um, you know, it's, uh, I should, Christy is, um, her heart is in food and she's always been a chef in her heart. Um, but our careers took us initially in different directions. Uh, I was a journalist and she was in finance. Like most of the Asian <laughs> parents, they want the, the, the kids to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, <laughs> to be a money maker. Right. So I was um, sweet. Yeah, I was uh, in that path to fulfill my parents' dream to go to finance and uh, working in an investment bank, JP Morgan. And But my heart is always in culinary. I actually, before jumping ship to study finance, I was in a culinary school. I was really on the path to be a chef. Mm -hmm. That's my, my calling. So after like 10 years of working in the bank, I... I really can't live that life anymore. More. I just want to do what I really feel passionate about. That's why I, I go back to the um, cooking scene. And we both uh, started out as the food truck uh, at, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it's less capital and we want, really want to try our, our recipe to see if people like it. And the, um, yeah, you can t tell them. Yeah, it's a little bit more background. I had a brain tumor. And that really woke me up because I wanted, I cared more about my health and um, what I was eating. And I was mostly in, for, for my career, I was mostly in Asia. That's where I met Christy in Hong Kong. Um, and through food, Christy helped me kill my tumor. I was able to get rid of it. And um, I, I was covering the election here. That was the last thing I covered before I left the career, my career in 2016. Um, and I realized I wanted to do this with Christy because I cared so much about, we were going around trying to find Asian food and dumplings is like a, a comfort food. And the, there's a lot of Asian stores here with dumplings, but you don't know what you're eating because the ingredients, there's just so many things back there that you don't even know what they are. <laughs> and, yeah, and we were disappointed like, about the taste of the Yeah, dumpling. the quality. And they all taste the same. And <laughs> dumplings have so much variety uh, in, in, in Asia, and they didn't represent the, the market in, in China. That's why we want to bring the variety of dumplings to U.S. that let people know that there's so many kind of dumplings. In, well, um, let's talk about the dumplings that you're making and and how you're how people can get them i mean tell let's talk a little bit about the process and the kind of ingredients you're using and the kinds of dumplings i mean it, you know there are those that are well versed in dumplings and there are those <laughs> <laughs> well I, there's fried there's steamed there's all different flavorings there's vegetarian so let's talk about the kinds of dumplings that that you are bringing to the public Okay, I'll our kind of that. dumplings is, <laughs> is uh, more like a Japanese style of dumpling. So the skin is very thin. So most of the dumplings you see in the market, 
the skin is very thick and the um like when you the take, dough, oh, the, more chinese, aren't those more chinese dumplings it's a thicker dough so it's a more yeah. you know it's a, a thicker yeah so you're not getting the filling as much you're getting more you know of the of dough, the dough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah um, we keep it uh, uh, super thin so that when you pan fry it pan fry the dumplings it would be really crunchy in the bottom mm -hmm. so when you eat it you really can taste everything in the in, uh, of the feelings the feelings um that we have um ginger taste in there shot uh, chives taste shrimp chicken pork you can taste every ingredient in there. And you can see every ingredient. You know, like you can yes. see what you're eating. And when you get a shrimp dumpling, you have the whole shrimp in there. It's not like pieces of whatever, you know. So that matters to us a lot. Um, we got into this because of her passion and my need for healthy food. Um, yeah, because uh -huh. of the healthy aspect, <laughs> we also try to keep our dumplings um, supernatural. Like we only use the fresh and natural ingredients. Even if you look at the, the ingredients of our package, even the six, six years old can read them. So it's nothing weird about the chemicals and no artificial ingredients in there. Yeah. So this is our goal to set out to make a really high quality of dumplings. So how many different dumplings do you guys make? We make, right now we make three kinds that we sell in, uh -huh. in the market. Yeah. Um, this is our top three seller when we were right. doing in the restaurant. Yeah. So yeah. We have pork and cabbage dumplings, uh, curry chicken dumplings, uh -huh. and shrimp and chives dumplings. Wow. They all very unique flavors. You can't see anywhere else in the, in the supermarket. And then how do you guys package them and sell them at Dawson? That I, I really want to give credit to Bart and, and Dawson's market because without him, we would not be able to survive. Um, it, it was really like the pandemic made us switch gears. We were in, we had a great little food truck. We were in the National Smithsonian Zoo in DC. We had a great thing going and this pandemic came and everything went away. And one day we lost our entire career. Um, I mean, we could have maybe figured out something else with the food truck, but people were nervous about getting food out and coming. So we had to really like switch gears. We were already thinking about packaging, but we had no idea, you know, how to even do I mean, it. Talk about a pivot, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Entire model. So yeah, it was a big learning curve with the help of the incubator at Union Kitchen. We were able to jump some hurdles. And then we went out and we looked for these independent markets because, you know. We have small potatoes. Yeah, nobody, it, like Bart said, there's a million you're, you're, everything. You're a little dumpling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're a little dumpling. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we approached Dawson's, um, we did meet Tarek. And it was so personable and he loved our packaging and he said he would try it. and. We just got incredible feedback. And since then, they launched, we were able to launch in a mid-sized market like Dawson's or is it, I don't know, big, like we were so grateful because everything before were these tiny, tiny little stores that are also helping us, thank God. Mm -hmm. but, um, this was the biggest grocery that took us on and we were so grateful. And then they kept buying our dumplings and they kept giving us feedback and they kept um, asking us, they were like, come and do demos. 
and we had to, you know, with the pandemic, we had to make some um, changes, but they still encouraged us to, yeah. to come out. And I just feel so grateful for that because we well, wouldn't have I been able to honest, I think, you know, it's the, the tragedy of the pandemic is, is not being able to do those tastings and demonstrations that, you know, people normally be gathering around you to see, you know, whenever people smell something delicious, they want to go over and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we love to, to do when you walk in the uh, Costco. I know, we miss those to, days. Yeah. <laughs> we really miss those. Okay, well, we're going to come back to you guys, um, but I want to go to our next guest, uh, Christelle uh, Simkowitz. Simkowitz. Hi yeah. there. Hi. So you do Creole Kitchen, yeah. and um, I would love um, for you to tell everybody about your concept and what you do. So I'm um, Christelle. I'm the founder of Creole Kitchen. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom of two little ones. And, um, you know, before that, I, I'm from Haiti. Um, I left Haiti some 16 years ago. I came after college, I mean, for college, after high school, for college. And I worked in retail and the finance world and all that stuff. And when I was expecting my first one, I decided to become a stay-at-home mom and you know now he's six and you know I knew eventually I would go back to work and all that stuff and but in the meantime I still have the time and I said what do I want to do well I have the time I'm home I have the time I need to do something that I love and that I know mm-hmm. and I know cooking cooking is my passion <laughs> And there's this spice, um, it's a traditional spice from Haiti. So when I first met my husband a while ago, so many things he wouldn't eat. And I said, well, I'll, I'll give mine a try. And he, every time he would be, what did you put in this? I, I never like something like chicken. He's like, it's always dry, it's never right. And- Okay, wait, now it. I have to ask, where's your husband from? Um, he's from here. He's from. He's one of those rare people who are from the DC area. <laughs> well, my husband is from the DC area, but I was just sort of curious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so um, you know, he would make it. So he had the recipe. So I mean, it's a it's spices and vegetables and oil and vinegar and water and all that stuff. You know, we never had a recipe because growing up in Haiti, you just make it. It's okay, different. I'm going to back you up a little bit because I don't, we still haven't told people exactly what you're making first. And for people who are unfamiliar with Haitian cuisine, maybe you can give us a little, a little context of what the yeah. product is and, and why it's so important to Haitian cuisine. Sure. It's, uh, it's called a piece. So it means, it, it means spice in Creole. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a blend of herbs and vegetables and you know, everything you can, salt, pepper, vinegar, garlic. Mm-hmm. I'm writing um, it down because I'm going to copy you, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's it's the base for everything we, we do. It's just, you just don't have to think about too much. It's just in there. Everything, it's the base for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so is it something that you simmer first and then add things to? Or is it something that, like, if I'm making a soup, Am I putting it in the soup as a to add like some umami to the soup? Like, is that how you utilize it? 
you can do that. Um, for example, the other day we bought uh, some soup and when we opened it, it was, we couldn't eat it. No flavor. And I told my, yes, no flavor and nothing. I told my husband, we can't trash it. It's too much. Mm-hmm. And I just cooked one tablespoon of it. I added it to it, warmed it up and it was perfect. Wow. But you can start, it's a cooking base. It's a seasoning. It's a marinade. Mm-hmm. You can use it on everything, any diet, anything that you can think of. You can use it as a sandwich. Um, you can spread it on your sandwiches. You can use so it. What's the consistency? Since I haven't had the opportunity yet. Tell us about the consistency. It's like a salsa. It's like a salsa. A okay. lot of people are using it as salsa. Uh-huh. As well. <laughs> um, you can put it on your burritos. You can use it with chips. Uh-huh. Um it's just for everything. It's that one step flavor to anything. You can simmer, you can grill, you can start your- Can you add to it? Like when you're using it, let's say for a marinade, Mm -hmm. are you adding oils to it or vinegars? Like, are you adding to it or are you letting the flavors come through? Like, how do you use the product other than like spooning it into a soup? Like, how um, how do you use it in recipes? So this morning I made a shepherd pie. Okay. Um, so I sauteed my um, vegetables in it mm-hmm. and I used turkey, um, ground turkey. Mm-hmm. So I seasoned the turkey beforehand and I added it to, to that. So it was amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to pick some up. So yeah. tell us a little bit. So now you decide that this product is lacking in the market, which yes. it clearly is. Yes. Um, you know, I don't think you walk down any grocery store aisles, not let alone Dawson's and see a bunch of products that are of Haitian descent. So um, how did you wind up with BART and, uh, you know, do your packaging and everything? Like you said, you're a stay-at-home mom, you have two young kids. Um, Now you've got this product on your hands. So you don't want to go to waste. So how did you get all those other components? Because now you're elevating everything you're doing. Yes. So I, like I said, I started in my kitchen and my husband wouldn't eat anything without it. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go and bring it as a hostess um, present because everyone loved everything. Mm-hmm. And also people would pass me their recipes and I would use it on their recipe and they would ask me for my recipe. I said, it was your recipe. I just did not use the 20 other ingredients you needed. <laughs> um, and so we were like, well, you know, it's, time to do it um but I knew I could I didn't want to do it in my kitchen mm-hmm. you know um so we looked for you know co-packers I knew I wanted a co-packer that was local you know just to go around and do the testing and all that stuff mm-hmm. and you know and a way that I didn't have to use any preservative because that's important to me mm-hmm. and you know to my family that we eat whole foods and things that I can read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do something similar because, you know, I know a lot of people are looking for the same and that's important to me. Mm-hmm. So we did find that co-packer there in Maryland. Um, we did all the testing and, you know, waited and it was ready. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic started. Um, so right. it was backed up and nothing but I knew I wanted to do, I knew it was the right time because everyone was at home cooking. Right. I mean, it's actually the perfect time. Yes. 
because some people don't know how to cook. They don't know. And I have so many friends that they tell me, you know, I want to cook. I want to do something, but I just don't know how to season, how much seasoning to add or what to do. So I knew it was the right time. So we waited patiently and in November, it finally happened. And, you know, I had the label, I was still working with the label and getting everything ready. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dowson has been, I've been in the DC area for, like I said, 16 years. And I lived in Kensington and Bethesda before with my parents. And so we would always go there because I would always find something unique and um, tasty and something new. So that was perfect. So I knew um, that I wanted to be there. And I and, reached and out. how do you go about, I mean, clearly your friends, you know, want to be even closer to you because of, you know, this sort of magic seasonings that you have, but how do you go about educating consumers on your product? Because, um, I mean, I myself, I mean, I'm, I love food, but I don't know a lot about your product until I learned about it. So right. how do you go about educating people about it? Um, right now, like, like you said, it's, a lot more difficult because mm -hmm. there's no face-to-face -face as much but um when i do get a chance I, you know i have recipe cards and i try to you know show people and let them know that because i have not used one thing in my pantry besides that spice oh my god that's amazing that's that's all i need maybe salt or pepper sometimes or a little bit of oil but that's about it because okay. there's everything in it and you don't have to think about it, whether you put it first or last in the middle, it'll season your. I cannot um, wait. I'm like, I'm already thinking of all the things I'm going to put it in. Okay, Priscilla, <laughs> on that point, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk strudel, which is like, it could be one of my favorite things ever. This Thank is uh, Nikki Nellis. I'm on industry night on Real Fun DC. We're talking about retail, local, and why you should be shopping it. We'll be back in just a sec. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back. Um, that is my big, big dog barking downstairs, but that's what happens when the UPS guy shows up at my house. So uh, this is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Uh, we're talking shopping local and nothing is more local than Dawson's Market in Rockville. Bart Yablonski uh, and his team at Dawson's, one of the few independently owned markets in the DC metro area, works so hard to bring together products that you're not gonna find everywhere and uh we are listening to stories of these product makers today so uh i'm so excited to talk strudel with uh bernie and helena gallant they are uh the duo behind little austria hi guys thank you for joining me hello hello thanks for having us absolutely okay so start from the beginning how'd you guys come up with the concept well, uh, Roya was saying uh, at the beginning that they had uh, different backgrounds, right? Uh, it's a little bit similar to us. Helena is a, a, a special education teacher and I'm a humanitarian logistician. So we were not necessarily born into the strudel business, but it came out of 
I would say it, it was it was interesting how it came up. Helena was waiting for her green card. You can tell the story. Yeah, it was um, yeah interesting. I would have never thought that I will ever <laughs> go that um, um, road. But um, I was waiting for my green card, and at that time was not allowed to work. I would have liked to work, but then I needed something to do, and that's when I started baking at home. Um, I hadn't had strudel in a while, so I took that on, and then we went out a lot. We talked about what's more American than, you know, start a business. Right. And why why don't we think about that, and and what what can we do? And I tried different things at home. Um, but did, then, you, did you know you wanted to bake? Is that something like did, when you were thinking about making a product, were you like, I want to be in the food world or you were just like, we know we want to do a business? That's a big difference. Yeah, I think it was clear that it has to be something with food since Austria is a really small country and like local food and organic food, because, you know, your neighbor is usually a farmer mm -hmm. and then you get the meat from there, the eggs, you know where everything comes from. So this is how I grew up, or we we grew up anyway. And then we said, what what can we do here that's that people know, but it's still unique that you can't get somewhere else. Right. Well, <laughs> very unique, and it's. Um, I mean, I grew up with it because my grandmother made it. Um, her family, you know, came from Germany. So I mean, it came from you know generations ago. Um, but it's not a product that I would say everybody's well versed in, right? And I think that's, right. that's what what we were what we were thinking. That's a product that is not readily available on the market. You can get strudels, but it's not the original, traditional, authentic Austrian apple strudel that you that people know from. Um, their grandmas or from traveling to Europe. So we said, all right, we take on the traditional strudel making technique um, and just try to scale it and make it available here locally and hopefully eventually branch out to, to, to other states. Okay, so let's tell people, for people who don't know what a strudel is, and I can't say it with your magnificent accent, so I'm not going to not going to do that. Um, can you please um, tell everybody what a strudel is? So a strudel is a very traditional um, dessert in Austria. You can find it in Germany, in Hungary. It's it's all over Europe, mm -hmm. slightly different. But what it has in common is it's a very um, down-to-earth um, pastry that has not a lot of ingredients, but it's the art of making the strudel who makes it special. So you have the dough, it's just flour, salt, water, and a little bit of oil. And then you need to stretch it with your hands um, so you can read a newspaper through it. So it's that thin. And then you just brush it with, you, you know, usually it's um, butter um, mm -hmm. and then fill it with apples. Um, cinnamon and sugar. Is, more like, is that more like a phyllo dough that you're kind of doing as opposed to a pastry dough? It is not a pastry dough. Yeah, it's more like a phyllo dough, but it's a single, it's a single stretch dough. Like imagine a, do a little dough ball 
that you roll out and stretch over the whole table. So the whole table is covered with a very thin layer of dough. And then on one side, um, you add the filling and then you start rolling the dough. Oh, I should say you, you stretch it on a tablecloth. So you need the tablecloth to roll the dough. Yeah, <laughs> that's one key part. <laughs> I have a feeling that you found that out on your own. <laughs> okay, so, but now, so, so you're making this strudel and um, I mean, how much strudel are you making and how are you getting it out? Like, where are you making it and how are you getting it out? And like, how did you get to the next step? We, so we started when we, the first strudel, um, Elena made at home here on our kitchen table. And in order to do that more professionally, we worked with a, uh, with a local shared kitchen, Chef's Cape Kitchen here in Ashburn. Um, and uh, so we rented space there and we were just making a strudel at a time. And then we sold it at uh, two local farmer's markets in, in Arlington. And then the demand for the strudel grew um, quicker than we would have anticipated. <laughs> and then we said, all right, we kind of outgrew the, the shared kitchen. And then we started uh, building our own bakery here in uh, Sterling, Virginia. So we uh, leased the warehouse and we put a, a, a new bakery in there, um, <laughs> out of which we are now uh, making our uh, all of our strudels. And that bakery then actually that allowed us to, to grow and produce in larger quantities. Then we were selling at more farmers markets, then we opened our online shop, and then we started catering to, to restaurants and to senior living facilities and to, to, to more outlets. What's the timeline of this? How long did this all take? We started in 2017, and the bakery was ready by the end of 2000. Uh, oh, actually, the yeah, 2008, end of 2018. So it went rather, rather quick. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing story. So now, how many do you just do apple strudel? You must have other fillings, right? What else do you do it? Yeah, we do. We um, we play a little bit with the apple filling. So we do have um, apple walnut raisin, which is also very traditional. Um, the plain apple is the best seller at the market because not everybody likes raisins and I get that. But um, <laughs> like we do seasonal flavors with cranberries and we do have um, a special strudel that's filled with, I call it European style farmer's cheese. That's not as fat as the cream cheese you would find in the cheesecake. Um, it's a little lighter. Um, it's yeah, it's a very traditional um, kind of strudel in Austria. Is it more savory? It's a little crumbly. It's not savory. It's, it's not sweet. savory, no. You, it's also traditional with rum raisins, but we sell it um, or we make it with blueberries or pecan and honey mixed into the cheese. And it's really, really good if you add um, in winter, um, I would add vanilla sauce to it. And in summertime, you know, a scoop of vanilla ice cream and a little bit of whipped cream. So now, how do you guys package it? Like it's sold at Dawson's. How does it, how does it come packaged? 
Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So at the farmer's market, we sell it fresh baked and already portioned in individual slices. Um, and for retail, um, and I must say at Dawson's Market actually, that uh, um, is our very first store that we started selling to, for which we are uh, extremely grateful. And it's sold uh, individually packaged, but as a whole strudel and the strudel is unbaked. So essentially a customer takes it out of the package, puts it in the oven and 40, 50 minutes later, they have a fresh baked strudel at home. The house smells great and they can then portion it individually and serve it to their family. They're entertaining. They have like a whole strudel at home. So that's really interesting. So you, so you again had to change your concept a little bit in order to sell your product at a larger market because obviously you didn't want the quality to decline, right? I assume that's why you went that route. Yeah, so the the, the retail route was actually uh, something that we had in mind from the very beginning when we started Little Austria. Uh, that's what we wanted to do, but we first needed to see whether people actually like the product, which is why we started selling it at the farmer's markets. Um, to, to test it out. And then rather quickly, actually, we found out that people really like it and that there is a market for that. And then <laughs> we started designing uh, a packaging for it and figure out the best version to do a retail packaging, to brand it, but also then to build a little Austria brand so people recognize us in the store. And um, that just got done last year in 2020. Um, and so now it's it starts to sell in the stores, which is very exciting for us because this is what we have been working on for the past years. It's amazing. Um, all of you have such um, incredible stories, each of you. Um, you're all doing amazing things, uh, totally different. And and I that's why the public is obviously responding to everything that you're doing. Bart, I want to bring you back on to talk a little bit about you know, you found all these fabulous products. This is just a small sample of what's at the store, but how do you go about introducing the dumplings, the strudel, you know, the sauce? How do you go about introducing it to your customers? I know they trust you, but how do, how do people find it? How do they know? Like, how do they know that strudel's in the freezer section? How do they go about finding it? Right. So that's, I mean, and that's the biggest challenge, I think, for any, any food business, because there's just, there's so many, so many choices in a, in a typical grocery store. Um, you know, making a product that stands out is really important because unless you can taste the product, which is the answer to your question, you know, you have to sell it off the shelf and it's got to stand out. So packaging is super important um, that people can understand what the product is and it's, you know, stands out from the other products that are on the shelf next to it, whether it's in the freezer case or the dry shelf. But for us, you know, tasting is the most important thing. So as all three of them have said, you know, it's, um, it's all about tasting the product. So we have an event. It's currently not happening because of COVID, but I'll mention it because it's our biggest event, which is Meet the Locals. And so and we've talked about this in previous shows. So we have it. It's the second Tuesday of every month um, from five to seven, and we'll be starting again soon. Um, but basically, we bring in, you know, 10 to 15 of these local vendors. And for Dawson's, local is a 100-mile radius as the, as the crow flies, um, not a five-hour flight or anything else like some of the other guys use. Um, and so 
we set up these tables around the store and the vendors come in and they sample their product. You can meet the maker, you can meet the person who's growing the product or who's producing the product and you get to try it. And it's a really, it's a fun opportunity. Um, we have, you know, food in there. We also sometimes have, if we have a body care product and then we always have some local beer or wine as well. Um, so we, we serve and sell beer and wine, which is a unique thing in Montgomery County. Uh, we've got tons of local beer and wine vendors. So they're always included in this event as well. Um, so we do that. And then we also invite vendors to come in, you know, at, at other times too. So with COVID, what we've done, you know, we were doing tastings for a while uh, when, when indoor dining was not allowed in Montgomery County, we had to stop that. Um, now it's back allowed at 25%. So we're slowly starting to get back into it. Um, we want to do it as soon as the vendors want to do it, but it really has to be the customers that feel comfortable. So, you know, one of the things that we've had to do and pivoting a little bit is to try to do more sampling cups, you know, uh, with a lid on them, you know, things like that, which, you know, we don't like the packaging piece of it, but you got to, you know, adapt to the times. So, um, so that's one of the things that we've kind of encouraged some of the vendors to do is to think about, you know, if it's, you know, a strudel, you know, cut it into smaller pieces, put it into a cup with a lid on it ahead of time or do it in our kitchen in the back. Um, you know, so it's in a secure, clean facility uh, and then let people come up and try that way. It's obviously not the best way because it's not hot coming out of the oven, but, um, you know, it's a way to get people to try things. And so we're doing that type of stuff. Uh, and then social media is big for us. So, um, you know, we do a lot of social media. Um, we, you know, do a lot of stuff with you too, Nikki. And, um, you know, Facebook is big for us. Um, being an independent store, we don't spend tons of money on, you know, advertising and print and radio and things like that. So social media is really important and trying to tie into the vendor's social media. So, um, you know, tagging them then tagging us and that sort of thing. And then we just introduced a new thing that we started um, with uh, new products. So um, we have like a little flyer that goes out every other week with new products. Um, and so that goes out to our email list of customers um, because again, that's a unique thing that we have. And, you know, it's mostly local, but it's also, you know, can be regional new, new products as well, just to introduce people to something that's different and exciting. Well, I think that's great. It's so important to inform people um, about what you do have available because you do have such a varied and unique offer. Um, so I, I want to thank you so much for putting this together. I want to bring each of you on. If you could please just say your business name and uh, your social media handles if you have them and of course your website so people can uh, find you uh, other than at Dawson but so that they can look you up while they're listening tonight. That would be great. Uh, so Roya and Christy, can you tell us please where they can find Mulan Dumpling? Uh, it's Mulan, sort of like the Disney movie, MulanDumpling.com. And okay. we also have Facebook, Instagram. It's at Mulan Dumpling, Excellent. all in word. That's yeah. great. Thank you guys so much. I can't wait to try your products. And Christelle, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, you can find us at Dawson's, of course. Um, in my Creole kitchen, mycreolekitchen.com. And it, I, because you don't spell it like people think of Creole. Yes, it's K R E Y O L kitchen.com. And are you on and social at my Creole? Social media. Can you say that again? Social yes, media. At, at my Creole kitchen is the handle at my Creole okay. kitchen. Great. Thank you. And lastly, <laughs> Bernie and Helena. Where can we find your delicious strudel? Sure, you can find us uh, on the web at little-austria.com. Uh, we also have an 
an online shop where you can order that's little-austria.com slash shop uh, and our Facebook handle is little at little Austria USA and our Instagram handle is um, I guess hashtag uh, little Austria everybody where they can find uh, Dawson's Market how they can sign up for the newsletter which I think everybody should sign up for and also um, where they can find you on social media Sure. So all of us, it's all Dawson's Market. So Dawson'sMarket.com or at Dawson's Market for both Facebook and Instagram. And um, online at Dawson'sMarket.com, you'll see um, we do online shopping as well. Um, we do feature the local vendors on there too. So if you, um, you know, due to COVID, don't want to come out of your house, um, we have a full online store as well. Um, and a lot of these local products are on there for people. Um, so you don't have to come in, but we really want to see people come in the store so they can try them out. Well, that was a delicious show. I love listening to people talk about their passions and making them a profession. So on this show, Bart Yablonski of Dawson's Market brought together uh, Christelle Simkowitz of Creole Kitchen, Roya and Chrissy Shadraven of Moulin Dumpling, and Bernie and Helena Galent of Little Austria all making such amazing products, all that you can find at Dawson's Market. So please check them out. As I say, on every show, supporting local is so, so, so important, especially now with this pandemic. Everybody is really doing everything they can to survive. So I want to thank you for joining me on Industry Night with Real Fun DC. Um, I feel always so blessed and fortunate that I get to do this show every week and talk to amazing people who are doing incredible things. So just a reminder, check out the list, areyouonit.com. We really have every food and wine event, yes, events happening in the DC metro area. Of course, we have roundups of all the pandemic pop-ups, where you're getting your breakfast and brunches and outdoor dining. So many places have spent a lot of money to make sure your outdoor dining is both safe and delicious. Uh, so lastly, don't miss me and my husband on um, 1500 AM Foodie and the Beast every Sunday at 11. And always tune in to me here on Real Fun DC on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Please mask up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Dip your body in hand sanitizer. Be safe and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.